This is Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. This week, we talk McGregor Mayweather. We'll analyze whether the matchup can possibly live up to all the hype. We're also talking NBA. We look at the Celtics Sixers trade. And is LeBron really on the move again? We're also going to bring you an early look at fantasy football quarterbacks. So sit back and get ready for Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. This is Michael Elkins, your co-host um, and producer, here with my uh, co-host and partner here, Jeff Kamenetsky. Jeff, say hello. What's going on? Happy to be here. How's everything? Everything's great. It's a new, I am, week, new week and yeah. uh, lot, lots going on in sports, man. Lots happening. I'm energized for this show um, in particular because I really thought there'd be nothing to talk about. And lo and behold, um, the sports gods... And goddesses, yeah, they dropped uh, some great topics for us. Uh, Very excited. Hope everybody is checking out the show. We're going to talk about that in a second. Um, But first, a couple things. Father's Day just passed. So first of all, um, happy Father's Day to all our fathers out there. Happy Father's Day to you, Jeff. Thanks. I think we've said this before. You have two daughters, right? I do. So how was your Father's Day? I do. It was great. It was a little bittersweet. Um, My girls girls are in New York uh, going to law school. So I wasn't able to spend Father's Day with them. I'll be seeing them in a week when I travel up there. And uh, but it was sweet. They called me, uh, sent me a beautiful gift, uh, just a, a heartfelt card. And uh, what was the gift? Let's talk, was, let's talk material here. It, no, it was very simple. It was a beautiful card, and it was a framed photo of me holding my two girls. One coming out of the hospital with my youngest Jessica and Casey, who was about almost two at the time. It's one of my favorite photos I haven't seen in a long time. And it came to me in a beautiful frame and made my day. And, you know, I, I lost my dad about uh, six years ago. So I think of him every day. It's a special day. So it's, it's bittersweet Father's Day, and I miss my dad. But I spend it with my daughters when I can, and I'll be seeing them soon. So it was, uh, it was a great day. So you didn't get, like, a new phone or computer yeah, or anything? No, because, you know, for them to You're buy going, me— They went sentimental. Well, for them to buy me that stuff, <laughs> they're buying it with my own money. Well, so, yeah, that's the point, right? Un- until look, how, ha- look how sent- look how generous we are, Dad. So until they have enough to where they can buy buy their own stuff for me, so I say, you know what, a card is all I need. Great. great, excellent, great. excellent. So I don't have any um, kids of my own, but I'm lucky enough um, and blessed that my father's still alive. Uh, so I want to say um, happy belated Father's Day. I-, I did call him on Sunday, although terribly, terribly late in the day on Sunday, but I did call. Um, but I know he listens. He tells me all the time. So I just wanted to say happy Father's Day, Dad. I love you. Cool. And, um, you know, it's appropriate to talk about my father or fathers in general on this, sports ca- on this sports podcast because my main connection to my father really has been since I was a little kid is sports. My father took me to Fenway Park. He took me to the old Fox Pro Stadium. We watched Super Bowl twenty together when the Patriots got drubbed by the Bears, and uh, I think I've shared with you, Jeff, I don't think I've told the audience, but my first memory as a kid of really of being defeated in sports and under- and realizing that it wasn't all fun and games was the 1986 World Series, um, Game <laughs> 6. <laughs> I remember it we, well. we, you know, we had a party, I remember, you know, I cried. I was 11 years old, and I remember my father. I remember my father distinctly. He doesn't know this. I don't know that I've shared it with him, but he listens to the podcast in the mornings when he wakes up. So he's going to get this in the morning. I, I distinctly remember that night because we had, they had family friends over. I forget what their names were. I, I think they were the Weinbergs, Mike and Sheila Weinberg. I don't know why I remember that. And I remember that, that inning when Bob Stanley came in. Yeah, Stanley oh, came in for Chiraldi. Right. And I remember my father just saying, they're going to blow it. And I was 11. What did I know about them? No, my father's 78 now. So he lived through 1975 and he lived through 1978 and he lived through all of it, all those years. And of course, they, we all know how that movie ends. They blow it. And I remember my father's being like, this team's terrible. And I'm like distraught at 11 years old. And my father basically like telling me there's a life lesson for you. Don't root for the Red Sox. <laughs> it is. I, I, but I, you know, a sweet uh, memory. I mean, even though it's bittersweet that they lost, you, well, you remember it, was, it with your dad. Yeah. And, and he took me, you know what he took me to that I've always appreciated? It wasn't even Fenway, although we went there. Um, it was Pawtucket, Triple A baseball. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We went to a lot, many, many a night. My, you know, my parents did not have a lot of money when we grew up. We weren't poor by any means, but certainly not wealthy. And 
my father would on occasion show up and surprise me and say, let's, let's go to McCoy stadium. And to me, that was the be all end all. So uh, happy father's day, dad. I know you're listening on your way to work, driving to work carefully. Um, and, and it's great that uh, we're still able to share sports together. Yeah, I, I owe my dad everything, and particularly my love for baseball. He was a Dodger fan, became a Met fan, and had it not been for him, now I would have loved sports but not been the baseball uh, uh, fanatic uh, and deep love for the game like I do. It, it was all him, and uh, yeah. I really am very grateful. And I think one of the best gifts my father always gave me was he's always <clears throat> supported me, even if he didn't agree with what I was doing. Exactly. He would tell me, I mean, he certainly yes. never held back. He would tell me like, um, not so sure. But once he would tell me the negative or what, maybe, okay, if you're going to do it, then do it. And this podcast, he's been tremendously supportive. I think he's one of our first listeners. Thank you, Mr. Elk. <laughs> and, and he's, I think he's usually the, one of the first to listen. However, that leads me to our, a few things. Speaking of listenership, um, this is our seventh episode and I want to thank obviously I want to thank everybody who's been listening. Our listenership grows weekly, and believe it or not, we have a, a group, a listener base in Tokyo, Japan. And I'm not making this up. And this is not a joke, everybody. The second, the city of in which, well, I get these statistics that show me where people are listening, when they listen, and what devices they're listening on. So I know if it's iPhones, if it's a tablet, if it's an iPad or your or your desktop, and I know where. The number two city behind Fort Lauderdale that listens to this podcast is Tokyo, Japan. And I am talking to Tokyo right now. Tokyo listeners, we love you. We're very big in Tokyo. I would, I would never have guessed it. I would never have guessed it. We love yeah. Fort Lauderdale and we love the, our United States of America fans. And we have listeners from California all the way up through New England and down to Florida. But for some reason, we, are list- we have listeners in Tokyo, Germany, and Spain. And so to our overseas listeners, in particular Tokyo, because my suspicion is it's the Tokyo listening base that's getting this thing when it drops, we want to hear from you. Who are you? Because I don't know yeah. anyone there. Jeff, do you? No, I, not that I know of. But, I mean, uh, there's, no sec- there's no secret. This is a grassroots podcast. We are not famous. We, you know, I have a minimal Twitter following. Um, we're not sports broadcasters. You know, I see a lot of sports podcasts that launch and they've immediately got, you know, they're right in the top of iTunes and that's not us. So this is a yeah. truly grassroots thing. Well, we're grateful for it. That's for sure. So we to- really are. Tell us who you are. Yeah. Tokyo JM sports podcast at gmail.com. Find me on Instagram at Melkins one. Find me on Twitter at Melkins three one one seven five. That goes for everybody else as well. Remember, um, Tokyo and everyone else, if you're listening and you're listening on iTunes, please leave us a review. Those reviews are tremendously important. Last shout out, um, speaking of listenership, I went out on Friday night for the first time in a while. You know, I'm training for um, an Olympic weightlifting meet that's at the end of July, the um, Nike American Open Series 2 for any weightlifters out there. Um, I compete as a master's athlete. 40, age 40 to 44 in the 77 kilo division, in case you are curious. So I don't get to go out too much lately. A lot of meal prepping and a lot of training. So I went out Friday night, not drinking, but went out. And I was amazed, humbled, amazed, and thankful at all the people I saw in my, my group of Fort Lauderdale friends, which is, you know, a sizable group and a great group of people. Uh, you know, a lot of acquaintances who came up to me or came out from around either from the back end of the bar or found me, came up to me, shook my hand and said words to the effect of, excuse me, love your podcast or that's great that you're doing a podcast. Wow, that's so awesome that you're doing a podcast. Tap me on the chest, say, hey, man, I'm listening to your podcast. So to all of you, you know who you are. Um, thank you very much. Some of the names that, that pop off my head, a, a gentleman named Gabriel Brody, who I'm, I'm, I'm acquaintances with. We, we hang out in the same group. Um, made it a point to come up to me and thank me and, and say, hey, thanks for the podcast. I'm loving it. Great listen. Uh, Paul Greenberg, uh, one of the co-owners at American Social, came up to me and said, he, said he's said he been seeing the podcast and wanted to know more about it, wanted more information. You know, he's obviously busy. So listen, everyone. And, and I'm going to post about this on social media as well. But every listen helps us. Every play helps us. That's all tracked. Every review helps us. Um, so please uh, keep listening, and and really, it, it's humbling, and we thank you because we think we think we're doing something right, but this sort of confirms it. And we, you know, it, it, look, if we didn't get any more listeners than what we have now, and those people who who 
said thank you to me and who said they liked it. That's success enough already. So, um, so thank you. It's, it's, it's really humbling everyone. It really means a lot. It does keep it going. I thank a couple of people myself, case the busk again. Thank you for your comments. They're always, uh, well taken Dan Malarkey. Uh, thank you for listening to the uh, podcast. I know you're a Redskin fan. Uh, we love you anyway. And uh, guys, everyone who has uh, commented to me and, and said that they like the show and listen to it, we really appreciate it. That's our goal is to make people happy, love sports like we do, and it uh, looks like our audience is growing. Yeah, and that's really um, – it makes us feel good about what we're doing, and it, it, it really helps drive us and, and keeps us motivated. We're motivated already. I'm always motivated. Um, but we really – nothing happens unless people listen. So, And in this podcast, when you listen, you are making a difference for us as opposed to if you're listening to Stephen A. Smith or some other podcast where they got 3 million listeners. Uh, so you're helping us. And thank you, everybody. We really appreciate it. Okay, we've asked for trivia. And guess what? We got trivia. Jason Tucker, a good friend of mine and tremendously supportive also, sent us our first trivia question. What is it? And we have not Googled this, everyone. No. We don't know. And, and so here it is. I'm going to read the email yeah. directly. He sent it to jmsportspodcast at gmail.com, everyone. Remember that? Email us. Who was the player responsible for ending Brett Favre's consecutive games played streak? Favre holds the all-time record at 297. Now, I needed some clarification in the interest of disclosure, so I texted Jason and I asked him, did he mean the quarterback that played you know, when the streak ended? Or is this a player who, who ended the streak, mm. i.e. injury or, or something to that effect? And he clarified for me. He said, it's a player who ended his streak. It's not the quarterback that replaced him. Whoa. And he clarified again and said the only reason he knows the answer is because the player is an ex-Buffalo Bill. Jason is a, a big, huge Buffalo Bills fan. Tragedy for him. That's got to be miserable. In fact, he signed the name, the email, Tyrod Tucker. <laughs> Um, he's dedicated. I give him that. <laughs> so, um, Jason, thank you for the trivia question. What we will do is debate. We're going to think about it over the episode. We'll Google it at the end on yeah. air. So we, we haven't looked it up, everyone. I'm going to confess I'm, I'm a little yeah, bit a at a loss. Well, I think, the, I think the problem I have with this, I'm not entirely sure the year that that streak ended. That's the problem. I mean, I think you have to start with when Aaron Rodgers was drafted. And I know Rodgers sat. I don't remember if he sat two years or three years, so that's problematic. And I'm not entirely sure that the streak ended because of a Rodgers yeah. start. It is, I mean, it's entirely possible. Well, that's what I, I mean, thought. I thought we are talking about, you know, originally when you just said that, it's the quarterback that took over. No. And, and if that was the case, it couldn't be Aaron Rodgers. That'd be too easy. Yeah, it's too easy. That's a but tough that's one. not the Ask question. Buffalo. All right, we'll have to dwell on that one. That is a tough we, one. We, know it's we a, appreciate it. We know it's a defensive player. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, everyone, send us your trivia questions. Send us an email. You can find us on social media. Remember, JM Sports at podcast at JM Sports Podcast at gmail.com. There's our Facebook page at JM Sports Podcast. Twitter at Melkins One. At I mean Instagram at Melkins One. Twitter Melkins three one one seven five. Okay, um, this day in sports, what do we have? All right, June twentieth. So I am pumped that we are now getting into a sport which is dear to my heart. Boxing, sort of making a comeback. It's in the news. We're going to talk about it in a little bit. June 20th, 1980, I was in high school. I saw one of the greatest fights I've ever seen in my life. It was anticipated. It was an event. It was Everything was made out to be. Roberto Duran taking on Sugar Ray Leonard for the WBC welterweight title at Olympic Stadium in Montreal. This was the first of the two Leonard-Duran fights. I was actually a Duran fan. And a lot of my friends, most of my friends, my brother, I think they were pulling for Leonard. But I loved Durant. I just loved his style. And I did throughout the 70s. And I, we went to Nassau Coliseum with closed-circuit television, packed house, and we saw the fight 15 rounds, the first time Leonard ever lost in his professional career. Um, that was June 20th, 1980. I loved boxing as a young kid. I still love it. And uh, it was a great fight. I, loved, I just loved Durant. The second fight was no mas. And uh, we know what happened there. But that first fight with the anticipation, the, the feeling, the buzz in the crowd, it was really true, a true boxing event. And it looks like we have a boxing event coming up. So, yeah, that's right? a, what that's, do you think? I mean, he, that's it's, a good segue. It's let's a, I mean, let's it's, set it up. It's, yeah. a, it's a boxing event. It's well, a pseudo boxing event as far yeah. as I'm concerned. And, and that's sort of what I was referring to when the sports gods and goddesses dropped some topics 
for us. And obviously the big one, what everyone's been talking about, and it's going to be talked about from here until the fight, um, McGregor Mayweather is set August 26th. Is that uh, the date? August 26th. So we're right. talking, you know, less than two months. Well, you know, a little over a month. And it's, it's odd to me because when they used to announce big fights, they would announce them and you, you had six months or four months in advance. These guys would, would prepare, go off and train in seclusion for four months. So well, there's nothing's in seclusion anymore. Yeah, but it does it doesn't it seem odd to you that the fight is just, you know, a couple of months away. It's it's coming up soon. I mean, these guys got to prepare for it. And yes, it's going to be it's going to be the most publicized. Everyone's talking about it. They're training. But what do you think? What, what, what I'm curious is also I, I want to know what you think about <clears throat> what what the outcome might be. But also, depending on the result, is, could it be good for boxing, bad for boxing, good for uh, mixed martial arts? Or bad, depending on... Well, so I have some thoughts on that. I have a couple of thoughts. First of all, none of the above on good or bad for either MMA or boxing. Look, for I, I don't know a soul on earth. Remember, it's boxing rules. That was the big question. I know no one. I've not met a single person. I've not heard anybody on the internet. haven't seen anyone on Twitter. haven't heard one person say that McGregor has a chance that it's boxing. So got, let's start got, there. He's got no chance. This is not a fight. I know that they're going to use the word fight. It's, a it's not a fight. It's, a, a it's an event. This is Thunderlips versus Rocky. It is. Right? This is Ali versus uh, that sumo yeah, 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 right. right. That's what this is. And so the people that are sitting around and that are getting into deep analysis about how many rounds can McGregor go and how many rounds will Mayweather go and will McGregor get a, sh- a punch in on him, meaningless. Meaningless. Uh, it's an event and should be treated as such. Do I even really care about this? I'm going to tell you. I don't. I'm not. I expect nothing more than um, a farcical style event. It'll be completely overhyped. The money, but now, but what I do care about. Well, let me back up on the hype. Uh, Mayweather, who I can't stand, you know, from a human standpoint, based on um, his long, long and illustrious history of beating women or allegedly beating women, although I, he has done time in prison. Um, you know, I, I think his, the coverage of him is absurd, but he's a master, master promoter. And so is McGregor, by the way. I don't know where Dana White fits in and all this, but, you know, the MMA, MMA is one of the best promoted sports out there. Mayweather's the only fighter that garners any attention these days. So it'll be a fun event. It'll be fun to watch on social media. The press conference will be great. The money, though, is really what interests me. Hundreds of millions of dollars for Mayweather and McGregor. I mean, what does that tell you, though, for for a fight well, that is likely to be a farce? That that McGregor's willing to get his, frankly, to get his ass whipped because the money's right. Of course. And look, the world is about events now. And and let's go back though. You know, boxing, boxing has had its share of events, right? I mean, when Mike Tyson was the heavyweight champ, nobody stood a chance. If you, I'm sure you remember that. I mean, I was a little kid, but I remember those were events. Those weren't fights. They they rounded up a bunch of people for Mike Tyson to beat up in 30 seconds. Not quite the same as this, I understand, it's, but it's, it's a big difference, man. It's a big difference. There was no pay per view then. I, I get that, but it was the same style. I mean, you went to someone's house. I remember going with my parents to their friend's house. Yep. They would have the they had cable back then, you know, and half of them I think were stealing cable. And you'd watch the fight, and there was food, and everyone was drinking, and it's the same thing now. Uh, those were fights. The the opponents Tyson had to face. He was so much better than them. But there was a, there was Michael Spinks. There, there were uh, fights that people thought were going to be close. Everybody was anticipating it because he was. They were fighting real fighters. He just happened to destroy every one of them. But it was real fighters. This is. I agree. When I heard the rules, boxing rules. Now, if these were M- MMA rules, you and I would would be talking perhaps. Maybe a little more interest or maybe a different result. I think the whole thing well, is a, not maybe. I think the whole thing is a farce. Well, yes, McGregor maybe. would whip. Would it win. all depends. I'm telling you, McGregor has to take a punch from a boxer. Now, now Mayweather was never a strong puncher. He was. He's at, he's <laughs> yeah. at the end or past his career. I mean, but but it's a to me, it's a completely different sport. Okay, if the rules were different and McGregor gets gets Mayweather in some kind of lock or takedown, it's over. But Mayweather is a sharp uh, athlete and sharp boxing. But when they said boxing rules, I said this thing is going to be a joke. And I think Mayweather will carry him. And he'll carry him for a few rounds because he's not going to take him out on one round. Because people want to see. Mayweather takes nobody out. That's his M.O. He 
he dances around for twelve rounds and he's the not fight's gonna, over. He's gonna he's gonna knock him out in the, in the mid rounds. He's gonna he's gonna carry him because he's he's a much superior boxer. They yeah. shouldn't they shouldn't be in the same ring together? But this is what the people want. And if it goes more than two rounds, I'd say Mayweather's carrying him. If McGregor lands a big punch out of nowhere, it might happen. That's what people are waiting to see. Maybe some punch sneaks in. Look, I happen to like McGregor. I don't like MMA, but I like McGregor. He's an entertainer. Uh, he's a fun guy to watch and listen to. But um, So when I opened up with a real fight, Duran Leonard, um, this is not, to me, a real fight. It's, it, like you said, it's an event. I think it's going to be a farce. But people are going to want to watch it because look at the money that's going through this. People are going to spend a lot of money. And there's a lot of money at stake for what is just a kind of a joke. Yeah, I mean, look, I watched um, Mayweather Pacquiao. That was complete bore. And I think that was the biggest grossing pay-per-view yeah. event. This is going to far surpass it. Um, you asked if this is good for boxing. Actually, it's bad for boxing because I'm pretty sure this fight is the same night as an actual real boxing fight that's match that's on HBO that night. I'm not sure. I forget the name of it because it, you know, it's just not that known. That's going to render that completely meaningless. It, it's, it's, it can't be any good for boxing because if Mayweather wins, so he wins. If somehow McGregor can land a punch and suddenly Mayweather is out or loses, which I think is a 1% chance of happening, uh, it can't be good for boxing. I don't well, think it's good for either, but it's never going to be good for boxing because Mayweather's supposed to win. It's well, I think, you know, the idea that McGregor's not going to land a punch, I think, is a bit farcical. I mean, McGregor is not He'll going in there. Punch, He'll land a punch. I'll tell you, a knockout punch. Is, is no, I, I mean, no, I don't think he's going to land a knockout punch. I think the other problem for McGregor is, look, the MMA in championship fights, I think it's five rounds. And regular fights, I think it's three. This is of twelve course, or fifteen. I don't know how many it is. No, and, I mean, the rounds are shorter. Fifteen, but the rounds but, are but, the rounds are shorter in box in boxing yeah, but, but than 12, MMA. Twelve but, three minute round is a whole other animal than than an, a short MMA. Uh, you know, I mean Mayweather. Now Mayweather. Here's the only thing I'll say. Not the only thing, but Mayweather is not what I would describe, at least in the fights I've seen, as aggressive. He is. He's a tactician. In fact, he's what I would call one of the best tacticians in boxing ever. I mean, he picks his spots. He moves better maybe than any boxer that's, that's been around, at least certainly in the modern era. But he's not, you know, he's not someone who goes in aggressively and lands the one knockout punch. And if he's too much of a tactician with a guy like McGregor, and, and remember, the one thing, McGregor only has to worry about hands. McGregor is used to worrying about knees, feet, elbows, takedowns, tackles, and everything else. I'm not saying McGregor has a chance, but if I'm going to play devil's advocate, there, that is the one thing that I think is getting overlooked is McGregor is so used to worrying about all those things. Now, he's only got to worry about one thing, and I don't care what anyone says. MMA fighters, in my view, um, toughest athletes out there. I mean, these guys get kicked in the head. You know, they get elbowed in the head. They get um, kneed in the stomach. No Very push. different than boxing. So I don't think McGregor is going to drop from a Mayweather punch. Mayweather's older. Um, I think that that is where McGregor could make, for no pun intended, could make some money. And in this fight is that, you know, look, he's only got to worry about one thing, and those are hand, and that's hands, and the gloves are bigger. You know, look, in MMA, when you get hit, it's basically like almost barefisted. I'm not... You know, I know you're looking at me like I'm crazy, no, but I'm I mean, playing devil's yes, advocate. I agree he's tough. MMA fighters are tough. He's well, not, but what he, about the part that he's, he's only got to worry he, about one thing? He's never faced a boxer. I don't care if you say Mayweather is not a strong puncher. He's never faced a boxer like this in his life, and he's going to be way over his head. So he's doing this for the money. I think Mayweather will dance and carry him, but I think it's, it's no contest, and it shouldn't have been. It's just McGregor is a name. He's a very, very uh, popular athlete. Right now, and they picked a great time to do it. He's never faced anybody who can box like Mayweather in the ring before. He certainly hasn't faced him for the length of time that he might have to go 12 rounds. I don't think it'll go 12 rounds. So is he a tough guy? Yes. But he's, yeah. no, he's no boxer. Well, I, I totally understand that. And again, it's the, if, you know, if I had to pick the one thing that possibly could be talked about here to favor McGregor, that's the one thing I'd pick. I agree with you. I think it's not a fight. It's an event. And uh, I don't expect much to come from it. Will I watch, though? Yeah. Am I going to turn ah, over? Ah, but you said you didn't care. Well, I have to. I mean, I, professionally, I have to watch. <laughs> I mean, what's going to happen when we do this podcast, you know, if we do a special episode the morning after? I mean, listen, if McGregor wins that fight, we will be, I, I'm telling you, audience, 
Jeff, I don't care where you are. We are. We will be uploading an episode sure. the the early morning after, if not that night, if I can get to you. So yeah, of course I'm going to watch because professionally, you know, we have to cover it. But it doesn't mean I'm watching because I think it's going to be some historical event. I think it, like eh. I said, Thunderlips against Rocky, something like that. <laughs> All right, everybody, um, we're going to get out of here. We're going to take a very short break. We will be right back with some NBA talk. Big things happening in the NBA draft. So sit tight, everyone. We'll be back shortly. This is Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. Okay, everybody, we are back. Um, so, again, along the lines of the sports gods and goddesses giving us material, we had a little trade in the NBA. And some might call it a blockbuster. Um, it's always a big deal when the number one pick gets traded. It's always a bigger deal when that number one pick is being held by, I think, one of the you know preeminent NBA franchises. And, and by that, I mean you know Spurs, Lakers, Heat. Uh, Celtics, Knicks, that that type of group, that echelon, and the Celtics had the number one pick, and they traded it. Danny Ainge wheeling and dealing again. Yeah. Trade, traded the number one pick to the Philadelphia 76ers. Let me set it up here with the trade. So the Celtics get the Sixers' th- number three pick in the draft, and the Celtics get additional first-round pick in 2018 or 2019. Those picks, I think, right. are coming um, from the, I think one of those picks Depending comes from the Lakers. Yeah. If the if the Lakers hold a pick between two and five, then Boston gets that one. That's right. So uh, and that's protected, unprotected. I'm not. I'm sure. not sure either. Um, and don't forget, the Celtics still have picks from the Nets as well. Um, what are your What's your reaction to the trade? Not a blockbuster, and here's why: because not a blockbuster. No. Why is it a block? So, so it's the number one pick. Okay, so it's the number one pick. So is is the number one pick in this case so much better than a lower pick? Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about it. So this tells me, here's what I think. Here's what Danny Ainge has said. And and this certainly isn't original. Um, Ainge is saying, by trading this pick, he's saying, look, I'm not, not, I don't think one through three, any of them, neither one of them are any better than the other. So whether I get the player at one or I get the player at three, which is probably going to be Jackson, Josh Josh Jackson. Jackson. Um, Look, maybe it's Lonzo Ball. And look, it, it, all rumors are that the Sixers are going to take Fultz. Ainge is saying, look, the difference between Jackson, Ball, and Fultz is de minimis at mm. best. I don't think it's about the pick. That's not what makes it a blockbuster. What makes it a blockbuster is what Ainge is probably going to do with the extra picks. And that is, all reports are, he's attempting to get Gordon Hayward as a free agent. Heat are in on that too, by the way. And uh, swing a trade for Jimmy Butler. And that is block that, and that's big. And look, Ainge is they've Ainge is move, famous for doing this. They better move fast on Butler, but because Butler's been rumored to go to Cleveland. Well, everybody. I mean, obviously, we're yeah, getting George, into that season, right? Well, yeah, but I, I. So, so you're saying that the number one pick, Fultz, in this case, was, was that much better than the other two, and that's why it's considered a blockbuster because he's given away what is possibly. By far the best player in the draft. Is there that much difference between the three? I don't think I don't there know. is. No, I, I mean, I don't know that there is or isn't. I mean, we won't know. Look, here's the bottom line. We're not going to know, right? I mean, if, if Fultz blossoms in three, four, five years and Ainge isn't able to swing a deal for Butler, isn't able to get Paul George or, or produce anything out of all these picks that he, you know, he seems to stockpile and reset, stockpile and reset, then no, maybe the trade, maybe the Sixers win the trade. I mean, the Sixers... I'm not sure exactly what they're doing. I understand they're, they're look, they're compiling a lot of talent. They've gotten but, a lot of good picks, picks in recent but, years. Well, have, have they though? Um, ben Simmons hasn't played high picks, right? Not necessarily turning out. Right, Embiid has played minimally, and and let's remember, but Ben Simmons and Fultz both were on teams in college that didn't make the tournament, and what happened to their coaches? Fired. So I, I'm not entirely sure. I mean, and Fultz, and look, Washington won, I think, nine games last year, a total. Fultz handled the ball pretty much the whole time. So I think Ainge wasn't convinced with Fultz, but it, it's not about that. Yeah. With the rumors of um, LeBron James now potentially leaving Cleveland after next year, remember, he's a free agent. Cavs just fired their GM. You have to think that what Danny Ainge is saying is look, if I can sign Hayward and I can swing a trade for Butler, we might be contenders right now. Now, Cleveland, Cleveland's vulnerable. 
I know you said last week you thought they were close against Golden State. I don't share that opinion. I, I think they were not close. I don't think either of these guys are going to really help. I don't think that's what they need. You I don't mean, think I Hayward think, and Butler? You don't, you don't think a team of Hayward, Butler, Isaiah, more, and Horford? That's not, I can't interest you in that? It could, it could be. It could be. What do the Celtics need if not those no, guys? No, not the Celtics. I mean, Cleveland, when we, when I, we spoke oh. last week about Cleveland, what I think they need is a big man. And I don't think a guy like Jimmy Butler to Cleveland is going to help them because they have enough scorers on that team. I don't think well, apparently one, not. one ball. No, that wasn't what happened. I, I don't think that. I think they need a, perhaps a big man or something or better role players. No, Boston's strong. Boston's strong. And, and I think Ainge knows what he's doing. I think he's going to get a good draft pick out of this regardless. And But I'm telling you something. There is a stigma with trading away the number one pick. And if that guy turns out to be a great player, he's going to be – lassoed with this his career talking about Ainge giving away the number one player which may turn out to be a great player but I just don't think many years there are great number one picks coming out of college that are head and shoulders above the rest I don't think this is that's that not year. this draft yeah, I don't think this I don't is think that anybody year. thinks that so if he was able to pull off this deal get a guy he claims to go for Jackson if he, he said he's, he's gonna, he was going to pick up him anyway but he's coming out with some additional draft picks from this. I think it's a good move, and uh, of course time will tell. But I don't think this was the year where giving up the number one pick is such a horrible thing, of course, unless he turns out to be some superstar. Well, I think the key, from what I can see with the Celtics, is they're in this unique position where they're able to build now. They're able to win now. If they can swing Hayward or Butler or they make a move for Paul George, I'm not sure what Ainge is going to do. I mean, And by the way, a side note on that. Apparently, the Heat are interested in Hayward as well. It'll be very interesting to see. If that is true, the battle, the showdown, the real showdown is Pat Riley versus Danny Ainge and who, who can close that deal. Um, I'll be very interested, though, to see. And, and by the way, that's even assuming Hayward's going to leave because, remember, Hayward's going to have the opportunity to earn, I think, an additional $75 million if he stays. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to double-check that, but it's not entirely guaranteed he's leaving. Yeah. Um, but the Celtics can go for it now while still being able to restock and rebuild for the future. Because remember, they've still got those Nets picks. Now they got an 18 or 19 pick that's going to be a good pick because the Lakers are not going to be any good. I don't care what LeVar Ball says. Um, so I think it's a unique situation for the Celtics. Boston's got to get past Cleveland for next year. and they ha- I mean, they're close, but, but they got to get past them. Well, let's, let's talk about that. It's a nice segue into the other breaking news in the NBA that happened today. Cavaliers fired their general manager. Um, kind of shocking. The actually. general manager, the general Lebr- manager was LeBron fired. James, <laughs> right? Well, it's interesting. And I LeBron forgot that they even had a general, manager. right? And and actually, LeBron tweeted um, at the general manager saying, "Oh, you know, we won one," and you know, his words of you know how he believed in him. I think that's all cover. A lot of people speculating that that was a LeBron decision. However, um, that may not be true. Stephen A. Smith was on um, WEEI in Boston this morning, did a live interview that I heard, and said, in fact. Dan Gilbert did not consult LeBron James on this move. And that um, word is LeBron has long been planning to leave Cleveland. I mean, that's been all over Twitter. That's been everywhere. That this is LeBron's last year in Cleveland. And that what Gilbert is doing is trying to position the Cavaliers so that they don't have this dramatic fall that they did before. And by doing that, the first step was to secure a different GM. Chauncey Billups has been rumored as the replacement. That doesn't really make sense to me since Billups doesn't have any... Yeah. Any significant front office experience yeah. that I'm aware of. However, I heard that also. Um, so that's weird. Number one, number two, um, and more importantly, I think the question is: Do you believe that LeBron's out the door? And if he is, then what happens? Because we're that's that is major news. Um, and and I think, by the way, that Danny Ainge believes LeBron's out the door, and what this is, what this trade is really all about, where it's not he, next year; it's the year after. Where would he go? Well, there's been a number of teams reported. The Clippers, uh, Jerry West just signed on, is yeah. basically going to be the GM. He's a consultant. Clippers have all the money in the world. World. Steve Ballmer, Microsoft, is one of the richest owners, not just in American sports, worldwide sports, billions upon billions upon billions. So he can go over the luxury tax. And, and he can pay LeBron, um, obviously. The, and LeBron respects Jerry West. Well, I mean, Jerry West's one of the most respected men in basketball. We know that. Um, Spurs, Greg Popovich. I mean, LeBron has never really been paired with an elite coach and, and an organization run as well as the Spurs. Heat fans might disagree with that. 
I would say to Heat fans, while the organization may be run well, uh, Spolstra is no Popovich. The Spurs have both coach and well-run organization. And obviously the Lakers are in play. Uh, Magic, I mean, it's it's L.A. LeBron has a house there. Um, what do you think? I don't think he goes anywhere. Really? I don't, think, I don't think he goes anywhere. I think that would that would tarnish his legacy. I think he wants to... Look, how old is he? He's getting older. Uh, I think he wants to stay in Cleveland. For him to move again in a very... Uh, well, the rumors are he's out. I mean, it's well, not... It's that's more, rumors. It's a little... Well, I, I mean, don't it's, know, man. it's Stephen A. Smith. I don't it's know. It's Mark Stein. It's Brian Windhorst. I mean, would it depend top... if Cleveland wins this coming year? Or would, would, would I that think have anything to do with it? If, I if think they don't has... win, he, he goes. If he wins, he stays. Something well, like that. Well, you said it was tarnished his legacy. Why? And, and now I'll say... He doesn't owe anything to Cleveland. He no. went there to win a championship. He won. He'll be a free you know. agent. He's not forcing his way out. He He's done everything yeah, that la- he needed to do. Well, last week I did say, I think it was last week, that he wants to chase Michael and he'll do everything to chase Michael. But I think he's very uh, sensitive to the public's reaction when he, he pulled the uh, uh, event. Well, to, he won't do that again. To, I mean, he won't do that again. But he's moving again. So he's chasing on the championship with another team. Um, he brought Cleveland to the final. He's been there three times with a team that maybe is not is less talented than some people, uh, than, than certainly the Golden State Warriors. But I, I just don't know. I don't know if he continues to do it. He's going to be towards the end of his career, uh, year after next. And is he going to be chasing around a championship and just going to another team, L.A. and, and the Clippers or the Lakers? I, it doesn't seem. I thought he was genuine going back to Cleveland. I really thought he was, and I believed him. And I really would would doubt although it wouldn't be out of the realm of possibility that he picks up and goes again. Yeah, I think he's I think he's gone. Word is that he's never according to Stephen A, he's never forgiven Gilbert for what happened that night. Yeah. Um that they don't speak very much. Uh, how much of that's true, I don't know. I mean, Stephen A has usually been pretty on target. I mean, he had LeBron going to the Heat before anyone else did. I think he got to pull a big I told you so to the world on that one. Um it makes sense that he would be gone. Uh, he's never really been in a big, big time market, so I think LA would make sense. I know he was in Miami for a while, and and certainly, look, we do this show from South Florida, and I love Miami, but Miami is not Los Angeles. Um, some people have said New York. I had some friends mention New York. He's not going to New York because of uh, Phil Jackson and the posse comments. Although, do not, and, and that was discussed by Stephen A. But here's my thought. Do not be surprised if Charles Dolan, owner of the Knicks, cuts Phil Jackson loose if he thinks he's got a shot at bringing LeBron. Now, I don't know if LeBron – I think LeBron doesn't like Dolan. At least that's what I've heard. Well, he's not going to New York because there'll be nobody there. What they have that's now, true. What they have now is Porzingis, and they're shopping him around. That's true. So Porzingis, that's a good point. Porzingis won't be there. I don't think that he'll have any stars there. Nothing's going to attract LeBron in the final years of his career to a team like the Knicks. So my team, good but point. I hate to say it, there's just no way. It's that's a good point. Um, I'd love to see him with the Spurs. I would really love to see him with the Clippers because I think he gets to play the antithesis to um, Lonzo and LeVar. And um, I think seeing LeBron in L.A. would be a lot of fun. And I think that'll be the big I think that's going to be the biggest NBA story this offseason. And I think that is one of the big reasons I think he's leaving. I think that's exactly why Danny Ainge made the movie made, because if LeBron leaves, he's likely going to the West. And who's number one in the East at that point? Should the Celtics pull these moves off? Boston Celtics. That's the way it seems. It'll be interesting to see. Um, All right, everybody, we are going to take a short break again. We will be right back. So sit tight and keep on listening. Up next, a breakdown of the top 10 fantasy quarterbacks. Welcome back, everybody. All right. Um... This is, we well, it's think, time. Yeah, okay. There you go. It's time. It's I couldn't time think of for the word. We're we're gonna do football early because frankly, the world's just not a good as good a place when there's no football. And we know we know our listeners. We know you like football, and we understand that football reigns supreme. It reigns supreme on this show, and so we figured to get through some of the doldrums of summer, we'd get into a little fantasy football early. Why not? Let's um, do it. So we're going to talk fantasy quarterbacks. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks is kind of break, start an early breakdown, early analysis of fantasy um, football position by position. We start with arguably one of the most important positions, at least in modern fantasy, depending on some of your 
depending upon how you feel and values and depth at positions, but uh, quarterbacks, which frankly, you got the most fun. It's the most fun topic in the NFL. Yeah. So Jeff, I'm going to, I'm going to turn it over to you for a little bit and let you, uh, let you run with this for a while. So, so what do you got? For All right, us? man. So fantasy quarterbacks, you know what? It's an important position, but there's also a lot of good quarterbacks out there. So there's a lot to choose from. And you, you know, you usually end up in your league with a good quarterback, but the way I looked at it, I tried to identify the five best, I also identify uh, some sleepers that might be good value for your league if you're looking for some guys who might not be in the top five, a little bit under the radar. And then I have a few that I think are borderline and I'm kind of shying away from. Let me, let me just ask a quick question. Are you working off of – and because this – I know what's going to happen. I'm yeah. gonna, we're going to get a million emails yeah. from the diehard fantasy football people. What? and There are going to be these questions. Yeah. Is it a PPR? Ten man league, yeah, yeah, yeah. twelve man league. Is it a bidding league? All right, let's let's start. It's not a we're gonna, we're not talking about bidding leagues because that's too specific. So we're talking your run of the mill Yahoo, ESPN, CBS Sportsline, Fantasy Football League, right? Yeah, yeah. just just looking at the Ten. best the best quality fantasy players per their right. position, and and it's we're talking ten or twelve man leagues team. And I know they're going to get this. Well, what if you have two quarterbacks? We're not talking about. We're talking about. You're a regular roster of nine with one quarterback, two, you know, two running backs, yeah. three. I mean, and, let's let's and, not and, go overboard, and people. Also, Mike, I mean, really, a lot of this <laughs> is not going to be a surprise, right? This is not no, rocket. but this is for, this is fun. This is fun, it but just it just feels good. It's, yeah, <laughs> you know, but it's not rocket science, man. I mean, this is the way I do it. I look at the statistics for these guys for the last few years. I look at things like offensive line and how many times they've been sacked. I look to see if they're if they picked up any. Star receivers, you know, in the off season, or if they lost any receivers. Do you include your personal? I get. We know we're going to yes. find out your yes. personal biases. Yes. And you will. You do, and, and you know mine. So you're not going to have Brady in the top five. I'm not saying that. I didn't say that at all. But you, but you know how I feel about him. But I'm going to be I honest. Know you personally, I am don't doing like this but, very subjective. I'm sorry. No, there's nothing I, I, subjective about it. It's very, it's, very objective. I am not subjective about this because I am trying to please the audience. People know. Well, please. my likes and dislikes, especially you, but I'm not doing that. I'm going to give you the top okay, five in the sleepers. Let's hear it. Okay. But I'm just saying what I look at also is handcuff situation for, for well, that's for, more for running backs. But really, well, the, there's some, there could be some quarterback yeah. battles out there. I mean, also, you, I look for team philosophy. Are they a running team? Are they a passing team? That, to me, that's really important. So here's my top five from number five to number one. Okay. Number five, Big Ben, Roethlisberger. Now, I, he, really? wasn't, he, he wasn't going to go in my top five. I've had this guy on my team one of the last two years. He's got, the, to me, the best wide receiver in football. He also has the best running back in football on, on his team. Now, some say, well, that's going to take, you know, they're going to run the ball. I think something special about Roethlisberger, he only sacked 17 times last year. The guy somehow doesn't get sacked. He's not that mobile, but he's big, he's strong. Guys just can't bring him down. I've seen this guy throw deep. I like, I like the fact that he could put up numbers. My only caveat is his health. And he's, he's pushing 90, 35. Um, I still like him. He's got – there's too much offense. Personally, by the way, I think Pittsburgh is one of the best teams in the AFC. We'll be talking about that later this summer. It's one of the top teams. But they are good. And I'm a little worried about the defense. But Big Ben gets number five for me. Number four is Drew Brees. Because, why? Because he does this every year. He's a machine. Now, he's getting older, but and he lost Cooks. It doesn't seem to matter for him. Well, how do you know it doesn't matter that he lost Cooks? Because it doesn't matter. Because they. How are, do you know that? I'm telling you. You said it doesn't seem need, to matter. Yeah, you don't know even, that because he's put up numbers with Cooks or without Cooks all through the years. He doesn't have to have a great, great wide receiver core. He does it anyway. The the one thing I think about this team are they going to change because they now have what amounts to be a pretty formidable running game with Ingram and now Adrian Peterson, whether he can do anything or not. Will uh, New Orleans suddenly start running the ball more? You're not going to take the ball out of Breeze's hands. I think he's a mach- he is just a touchdown machine. Only got sacked 15 times last year. Very hard not to pick up a guy like Drew Breeze if he's available to you. Number three, Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan is on the upswing. We know what he did last year in an MVP season. He's coming off a huge, huge year. Um, I think he's only going to get better and, and more confident. They do like to run the ball, Atlanta. They have two very good running backs. And the question is, and we've seen what, what their running back can do. I don't think their running game is going to necessarily hinder Matt Ryan. It's up to their offensive line. If he could stay upright, he's going to, he's going to get a lot of points fantasy-wise. I think he's becoming one of the elite fantasy quarterbacks, and he really showed it last year. As long as he doesn't have a lead. I didn't say that. No. My bad. 
yeah, well, the Atlanta defense, we know how they choked and gave away the Super Bowl. But oh, that, that's what it was. That is for another discussion. Number two is your, 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 your boyfriend, Mike, is Tom Brady. Um, how can you not pick him? I mean, he has put up the most insane numbers. I mean, Tom Brady and the guy I'm going to pick for number one, which is no surprise. Yeah. I look at the, these guys have thrown single-digit interceptions the last three years while everyone else throwing double-digit double, double digit interceptions. There's no question that Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers yeah. have to be the top fantasy quarterbacks, and it's 1A and 1B. Sure. Brady's older. Um, yeah. And, you know, I won't pick him because I am not a Brady fan. Um, although that's my personal belief. If he falls in my lap, he's a. So you're great, not, you're not into pick. winning, I guess. I'm not into winning. You know what? I would pick Aaron Rodgers first. And I, I look, I Tom, mean, that's fair. You have to. Um, you his, don't have his to. numbers, you have to. His numbers are off the charts. I know you won't because you're going to pick your boy. But uh, well, Aaron Rodgers. 40 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, 31 touchdowns, 8 interceptions, 38 and 5. Brady right along the same way. Four less games. Yeah. Yeah. The difference is, is there a difference? Maybe Rodgers is more mobile. Um, it can scoot around a little bit. Uh, Who has little bit better more. receivers? <clears throat> Who has better receivers? Well, the Patriots have better receivers. There's and no who just added that. a deep threat from New Orleans that flourished under Drew Brees? The difference is... The difference is... The difference is this. Is Here's the difference. If Jordy Nelson gets hurt... You can kiss Aaron Rodgers goodbye. Go look at 2015 to answer that question. If Julian Edelman gets hurt, that's fine. You've got Gronk, Brandon Cooks, Malcolm Mitchell, Chris Hogan. If if Gronk gets hurt, I think we saw what Brady did with that. He's able to go to multiple multiple weapons. So I think the difference between the two would be um, Brady, you know, who's who's never injured, um, and neither is Rodgers, by the way. Um, Rodgers, by the way, did just fine without uh, without him in uh, in 2015. Without Nelson, 31 touchdowns, eight interceptions, not bad at all. Not bad, but not 40. It, not 40. So is, I mean, is, is 40 your nine criteria? Touch, yeah, nine is a big number. I'm all saying right. I'm saying Aaron Rodgers drops off without Jordy Nelson. Tom Brady has the ability to continue to be Tom Brady if he loses Edelman. I mean, look, if he loses Edelman, Gronk, and Cooks, well, okay, then there's going to be a problem, but. But because of the current construct of the Patriots offense and the weapons that are there, and I haven't even talked about James White, Deion Lewis, or Burkhead, who Brady can throw to any one of those guys, um, I think you'd pick, you'd have to say Brady over Rodgers. But I, I'm not going to get into that uh, argument it's, because it's, it's 1A and 1B. 1B. I'm and concerned more about your, the rest of your top five than, than your number one and two because I will give you – one A or one B. If someone took Rogers over Brady, it's Brady's I'd age. Snicker, it's also Brady's age. Nah, I mean, he's gotten you know, better every year. Thirty-seven yeah, he, to thirty-nine, he's gotten better. So know, there's no there's no reason to think he's going to get worse by so, magically so he, turning forty. He's going to continue to improve every year. Is that we at or, least or based stay, on the, stay the same based on the numbers as yeah. he goes into his forties? Yeah, I'd like to see it. Well, if it happens, gonna, it happens. We're going to see that this he's, year. He's got he's got to show it. Well, his completion percentage has gotten better every year. His touchdown interception ratio over the last three years has gotten better every year, from thirty seven to thirty nine. You're presuming on the, that argument that something magical happens between thirty nine and forty. That. Never said it. Well, I mean, the, the statistics tell you over the last three seasons he's gotten better every year at, in every statistical category. But he hasn't been thirty nine before or forty. Well, he, he was thirty nine last year. Yes. Okay, well, and he played 40. the Super Bowl just before he turned forty. There's, so you're saying. Why, why didn't he drop off between 37 and 39? I'm, I mean, saying, I'm saying the difference between the two quarterbacks is six years. That's why I would pick Rodgers. Okay, well, we're going to find out this year. I'm a little more, I'm more concerned about your, your Ben Roethlisberger selection at number five. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, did Roethlisberger not set, almost retire this, at, in this offseason? So, do you remember yeah, that? So, so, okay, but, so, so, but, he, but he didn't. But he didn't, no, that's true. He's injured consistently. Um, he is not a picture of health whatsoever. Um, teams can deal with Antonio Brown. I think Roethlisberger, I mean, look, Pro Football Focus has him at 14 behind Mariota, Derek Carr, Dak Prescott, Kirk Cousins, Jameis Winston. I mean, how do you not have Derek Carr in your top five? How do you not have Jameis Winston up there? Let me get to, well, you're stealing some of my thunder now. Well, you said we were going to start with your top five. And I want to address this because I don't understand how you, I'm fine with Breeze, although I, I think I think New Orleans is making a conscious effort not to throw the ball as much. And remember, they dra- I think they drafted on defense heavily. So if we presume that that defense is going to be improved, 
Breeze may not have to throw as much. And look, he did lose one of his big weapons. He lost Cooks. That's, you have to factor that in. They added AP. What does that tell you? I mean, they're, they may not they're throw not as run, much. They're going to run maybe a little bit more. AP is not going to make that much of a difference. I'm not saying that Breeze isn't a top. They're a, top. Thro- they're a throwing team. I'm not they're saying really Breeze are. isn't up there. I'm saying you have to account for that. Matty Ice at three, I think that's fine. Um, and look, if you had put Matty Ice at one or two, that's not the worst thing either. But Roethlisberger at five. I mean, this guy almost retired. So he, let alone, so he almost retired. What, what does, does that mean? I mean, again, I, I can't get past they that. They have a and tremendous ranked, offense, Mike. Bro, a tremendous offense. I wouldn't call it tremendous. Okay. Um, I think they're significantly overrated. They do not have a good defense. They have no game plan to stop um, the New England Patriots. Mike Tomlin's the most overrated coach in professional football. He is not cerebral at all. He is not, as ex- ex- he is not an X's and O's guy. That team runs wild around him. There's no discipline. We're talking fantasy. I understand that, but Roethlisberger dropped off significantly last year. You have him as five. I think he fits more in at 15. Okay. Where's Derek Carr? Here are my sleepers. I would have Derek Carr five. By by sleepers, I mean that they could, and they're very close to being in the top five. I I love Jameis Winston. You mentioned his name. I'm telling you, he's, he's a guy... To keep your eye on. He started doing it last year. They pick up Deshaun Jackson. They draft O.J. Howard, a tight end. To add to my guy, who I had last year on my team, Mike Evans, when people kind of laughed that I picked Mike Evans high, they've got a potent passing game and not much of a running game. Jameis now is has experience under his belt. And although he was, he was sacked a lot last year, relatively, a lot, 35, I think they are going to explode offensively this year. He's got now multiple, multiple passing weapons. So do you have Jameis in your top five? I don't have him in my top five, but I, I agree with that analysis. I mean, he's a sleeper for me, as is Derek Carr. I think he's going to have a huge year. I, I think Derek Carr also. I mean, Oakland's becoming a very strong elite team. They pick up a running back, right, Marshawn Lynch. Is he going to help Oakland? Is he not going to help Oakland? I don't know if he's going to help. They had Latavius Murray last year, who was my guy for two years, and he just didn't really – wasn't the elite runner. I think Oakland's more of a passing uh, team with Cooper and Crabtree and a new tight end, Jared Cook. He's, Carr's good, man. He's got a lot really good. of weapons, and Oakland's a really good team. Carr's the best young quarterback, I think, in the NFL. And now my last two sleepers, one you may not care for, um, one you might. So, uh, Marcus Mariota, I happen to really, really like I really this like, guy. Well, I Very like Mariota. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah he, he's the guy I didn't think you'd have trouble with. It's the next guy. Um, <laughs> Mariota stacked only 23 times. Let's very mobile. Runs. He can run the ball. He throws the ball deep very, very well. Um, they have some really good running backs on that team, and that kind of sometimes worries me with Henry and uh, DeMarco Murray. Um, well, well, that might take away some. He's not going to be. A, he's not going to throw the ball six hundred times like the next guy I'm going to talk about. But what do you think? I mean, I mean, a team with, with two good running backs, you have to look at them and say they might be more of a running team. But I love Mariota, and I think he's going to be one of the, one of the sleepers to edge close to the top five, but he's not. He's not there yet. My last guy, by the way, is the sleeper is Eli Manning. Now, the guy threw almost six hundred times last year. Sacked just 21 times. Already had good receivers with, Sh- with Shepard and Beckham. They bring on Brandon Marshall. And you know what? The Giants, as much as they want to run the ball, they don't run the ball. They don't have a quality running back. They haven't in a while. They have turned into a passing team. And if they get any kind of protection for Eli, which they gave him last year, he puts up really big numbers. And I, people just don't like to draft Eli Manning that high. Um, but he's, he, he puts up good numbers, and he could be available. So... My sleepers are Winston, Carr, Manning, and Mariota. And guys I want to stay away from real quick, Cam Newton. I agree with that. He's, he, I think his stock has come down. He just doesn't run. He's adding on a couple of uh, rookies, McCaffrey and Curtis Samuel. Um, that's risky. Those are going to be his targets. I'm just not convinced on Cam Newton. Matthew Stafford for the, for the Lions. I mean, they don't run the ball. They just throw all the time. But, uh, and Marvin Jones is a great receiver. Golden Tate. He caught a lot of passes, only four touchdowns. I'm not a big Stafford fan. And Russell Wilson, let me tell you, I mean, he goes real high in a lot of these uh, drafts. He used to be a great runner. He's not running the ball. He was hurt last year. He he was sacked 41 times. And he was hurt. I just don't think his running numbers have come down, down and down and down. I just don't see that him being one of the elite fantasy to put up these big numbers that you're looking for. He used to be a dual threat. He used to run. He used to throw a lot. Um, 
something about him that I think he's, he's just not going to be the same dual threat as he used to be. And therefore, I don't think he's going to break into the top elite of fantasy uh, quarterbacks. But those are my tops. Those are my sleepers. I'm a real big Winston fan, notwithstanding it's FSU, who is my school that I really like. But um, And I have some guys to stay away from. But I think uh, that's what I'm thinking in quarterbacks. Yeah, I mean, I love Mariota. I, I think they're building a great team around him, which is important from a fantasy perspective because the better the team around you, the better a team around, the better team that you have around you as a quarterback, yeah. the better you're going to perform from a fantasy perspective. John Robinson, even McKenzie agrees. Um, John Robinson, the general manager of the Titans, um, you know, was with the Patriots from 02 to 2013, and he's building that team in the same kind of mold. And Mariota fits that mold do you think sorry do you think a running back a good running back helps yes, a quarterback or absolutely person? helps but what if they if that running back's going to run uh you know 27 times a game well that depends if what's the score of the game i mean you know the running back it's runs 27 goal. times then maybe they're running in the fourth quarter when it's 35 to 7 i mean so that that needs it's context I, I think it helps though because if you have no running game i mean it's no secret secondary you know the sure. linebackers are going to pin their ears back secondary cut you know comes back and you know they know you're going to throw the ball every play now if you've got a great quarterback like breeze or brady or ryan that tends to not matter but with you know some younger guys like Mariota. I think you do want to see a good team around them, but I think Mariota's an up-and-comer. Uh, I love Jameis Winston. Nothing more to really be said about him. Curious, um, you didn't have Dak Prescott on there, um, and you didn't have Andy Dalton. Now, I'm going to talk about Andy Dalton. I know Andy. I've had him on my team twice right, the last but two years. He, I know he's feast or famine. So I feel like the Bengals, they're, do, we're going, to one, they're going to do one of two things this year. They're going to be their offensive machine, either going to be an offensive machine and go 12-4, and four, though exit the playoffs in the first round because that's Marvin Lewis's M.O. Yep. But Dalton, I mean, look, he's got A.J. Green. I mean, at the end of the day— And, and they picked up the fastest— Nixon. Uh, w- 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 well, the fastest wide receiver in the draft, and they picked up a really good running back as well. Right. So, so Dalton could. He could have I'm, a huge— year. I get it. I've been disappointed by him two years in a sure. row. He just doesn't have that big play capability. It might be a big play capability. Um, so I think Dalton is—look, you, you have to take a chance one way or the other— um, why didn't you have Prescott? I don't think he's going to do it again. I don't think he's going to. I think he had a great year. I don't think the whole team is going to do it again. I think the league is going to wisen up to Dak Prescott, and he had a fantastic first year. Um, I just don't think he, he can do it again. I don't think he's that kind of quarterback. He's a good winning quarterback. I don't think he's a fantasy dream that everyone's looking at. I, don't, I think he's way down in those numbers. Very different from a winning quarterback. A fantasy quarterback. Um, I mean, he's got Ezekiel Elliott. That's a fact. Now that goes to the question, right? Is it good if they have a great running back? Does it help them? Right. Um, I mean, he's he's thrown to a good group of wideouts, and I think the Cowboys picked up that wide receiver who's like another version of um, what's his name. Oh, now I can't remember. So that's yeah. But I, I think he's got a good receiving core. You know, Des Bryant, uh, obviously. So I think I'd have Prescott a little bit higher up than you have him. You had Eli as your big sleeper. Obviously, you know, if you haven't been listening, audience, Jeff's a big um, Giants fan. Look, Eli's feast or famine. I think I I don't like that call with him, though, and this is why. Yes, they added Brandon Marshall, but there's problems for the Giants with Odell Beckham. He's he skipped OTAs. We know that very public insulted his coach. Very public contract dispute now coming very public. A lot of problems there. We saw we've we've chronicled OBJ's incidents. pretty in, in great detail look manning throws a lot of picks and again it's it's feast or famine all the way with eli similar i guess to andy dalton if i had to take a flyer i would take dalton um probably over eli pro football focus actually has eli at 19 and dalton at 20 so um they're kind of in the same place i think the thing to talk about with quarterback in addition to these individual players and frankly you know i i, I gave you a little bit about roethlisberger at five but look one, two, three, and four, Rodgers, Brady, or Brady, Rodgers, Ryan, and Breeze. That's whatever. I mean, you're fine anyway. we go. Quarterback's a deep, deep position in fantasy football. And so what I'd like to discuss, at least briefly here, we, have, we don't have much time left, but I think it's something to talk about. And it's always something that I think fails to get discussed by casual fantasy players is this. If you cannot get um, Breeze Matty Ice, Brady, or um, Rodgers, then what do you do? Do you wait? 
Because my strategy would be this. If I can't get any of those guys, um, I'm probably going to wait. Quarterback's a deep, deep position. And Absolutely. There's a, there's a drop-off from Breeze, Ryan, Brady, and Rodgers to Roethlisberger and then this sort of second tier, whether it's Jameis. Now, maybe Jameis explodes, but if you can get Jameis in the fourth round, and I think you could, but the, yeah. you want to wait. But, there, but there's good guys then. Like, like you said, no, it's the, Kirk the, Cousins. Right. And, and, and um, yeah, you have guys like Cousins and Philip Rivers. I mean, you can get some quality later on. Ryan Tannehill. I mean, Absolutely. You can, you, Tannehill, by the way, could have been a sleeper. He's got weapons on that he team. Does. He really and he's got a And re- a really good running back. And a really good coach. A really good coach. I talked about that with some people on Friday night. In fact, a lot of Dolphin fans, obviously, here in South Florida, um, watch out for that team. So, yeah, I think... It's one of those things where unless you get one of these four elite guys, you probably have to sit back and wait a little bit. I, look, I've had drafts you know, when the quarterback position is deep, and it usually is, at least in the last five years, where I'll sit back till 7, 8, 9, 10. I, I never go and, quarterback early. I never. I don't. Well, if I can get— If you, if you can get him. If I could get but, Brady, Breeze, Ryan, or Rodgers, right, and, I'll and, take and him. And if you can't— Especially in a— and if you can't, I, you wait. I, I, I do not subscribe to the— Old adage, you must go running back first. This is not a running back league anymore. The problem is, when we'll talk about this with running backs, so I'll say this and give, give it back to you, Jeff, for one more comment. The problem is, it's not a running back league, but running back is not deep anymore. And that's, that's the problem. So you have, to, you have to play that out a little bit. Right. I totally get there, there are many good quarterbacks. If you don't get one of the elite, you sit and wait, and you could, you could pull a, a Phillip Rivers, who is still, or a Matthew Stafford late. And again, I, I I play in a in a in a in a purchase league where you know you bid. It's you can get a quality quarterback later on. You wow. don't you don't have to go for it all up front. But if you can get one of those top guys, you know Rodgers and you know Breeze are going to put up big numbers for you. Sure, and Bre- you know Breeze and Brady. and Brady, of course. Yeah, of course. Okay, everybody, um, we're going to get out of here. Short break. Um, sit tight. We're going to talk a little bit of baseball when we come back. Just a little bit. Um, Because we haven't talked about it in a few weeks, and we'll close it out and get everyone out of here. So hang tight. We will be right back. And now we go around the horn and look at Major League Baseball. Okay, everybody, we are back. Uh, We've got a little bit of baseball, and then we're going to get you out of here. But, um, you know, we haven't talked a lot about it recently. We're kind of in the dog days of summer. But baseball's got some. Really good stuff happening. If you're not paying attention to baseball, um, you need to because there's going to be some great pennant races. But, Jeff, I know you had a few topics you wanted to get into. You know what, man? Just just something hit me. I was at the gym this morning. I saw uh, Mets lost to uh, Dodgers and Kershaw last night. Kershaw, um, he's got 10 wins. He's pitching great again. But he gave up two home runs to Jose Reyes last night. And they flashed a stat across the screen. It said he's given up 17 homers this year. So something's going on in baseball, and if you're looking, it is a tremendous uptick in home runs and strikeouts. Now, a few weeks ago, Scooter Jeanette, or maybe a week ago, a journeyman player for the Cincinnati Reds, who is, by the way, 5'10", 193 pounds, not a big guy, hits four home runs, gets knocks in 10 runs in a game. Um, what's going on, I mean, this guy only has had nine home runs as his career high, uh, Actually, 14 home runs last year, but he's not a home run hitter. What's going on in this game is a lot of home runs, a lot of strikeouts. When Clayton Kershaw is on a pace to give up close to 40 home runs, uh, something is is really going on in baseball. He's given up last year. He gave up eight home runs. The most he ever gave up in his in any one season is 16 home runs. He's got 17 already. So the question is, what is going on in baseball? Why are there so many home runs being hit? Players are striking out at an unprecedented clip. You look at box scores, journeyman pitchers are going six innings and strike out 11, 12 guys. So why is that happening? I'm not sure. That's a big discussion that we could talk about at a later date. But it's changing. And is this good for the game? Do fans want to see nothing but home runs and strikeouts? Because it is, I mean, when Kershaw has given up this many home runs, it opened my eyes. The guy just can't be hit. And now he's given up uh, home runs. Seemingly every single star, multiple home runs a start. So what's what's causing it? I don't know. And is it good for baseball? It's a question we could throw out there. I mean, I think it was um, the immortal Crash Davis told us uh, strikeouts are fascist. Um, and, so and chicks spread, dig the, chicks chicks dig the, the long, long ball, ball right? as Maddox would say, and, and spread uh, you know spread throw some ground balls, yeah. spread the wealth around from from Crash. Best is it good, uh, best sports movie ever. What? Is it good? 
Uh, I think home runs are good. People love the home run. I mean, we saw, look, the home run chase in 98, tainted as it may have been, brought baseball back. And that's that's just the reality. Um, if the home runs are legitimate, and, and that's baseball's problem, right? It, it's always under the cloud of PEDs. Now there's testing and, and a lot of things happening. So the question is then if the players aren't juicing and, and they certainly don't look like they are, did MLB do anything to the ball? Um, that's what I thought. Well, that's, that's been really discussed. what I thought. It's been discussed. Now, and, I want to know what our audience thinks. It's a really important. What do you think is causing this? I mean, it's a tremendous upswing yeah. in power. And it's it's across the board, too. It's yeah. not limited to Colorado. It's not limited no. to home run ballparks. I mean, suddenly, balls are flying out everywhere. Average players hitting four home runs. Below average hitting four home runs in the game. Right. And and I'm not sure exactly what's causing it. Now, here's here's a theory. Um, look, we have reached the age where the day of the dominant eight and nine inning pitcher is over. Um, look, Chris Sale, Clayton Kershaw, Max Scherzer, those guys are the anomaly. You know, back in the 80s and even in the 90s, most starting pitchers went seven, eight, nine. Yeah. Now you've got these relievers, and, and their middle relief guys were not guys that threw 98, 99, and I mean, Joe Kelly for the Red Sox threw 103.5 the other night. That's not the anomaly. That's standard now. Yep. You don't throw 99, you're in nobody's bullpen. Look, the faster the ball goes in, the faster the ball goes out. So what you're seeing is you're, you're, most of your starters go five, six. If you get to seven, that's like a big night. Six and a third, and they're bringing in these fireball middle right. relievers, and not just the closers. Strikeouts are going to rise because of that. But also, you put the bat on a ball going 99, the ball's probably going to go out. A good chance it goes out. I mean, force. it's physics, right? Force yeah. meaning force. I think yeah. that's a big could be a big part of it. I have not done the... The scientific study on that, but I think it's something that should be looked and, at. And here's the stat: just to, on Kershaw, he's, he's given up as many home runs as he has walks this year, seventeen. Something he go- suddenly didn't get worse, right? I mean, it, this is such an uptick from his la- eight home runs all of last year, albeit twenty-one starts. Something's going on. I'd love to hear from people out there what's causing it. it could be a multitude of factors. And is it good? And is it good for the game? Is it something you want to see? And uh, is this good for baseball? Jason Stark. We'd love to hear from you. You're not with ESPN anymore, but we, don't worry. We want you here. <laughs> to Come to Sports Talk with Jeff and Mike. We would love to have you. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I think it's I think it's fascinating to see. Um, I, I know, you know, look, we're in the dog days of summer. I'm, we're going to get everyone out of here. I just wanted to remind everybody, if you're not paying attention to baseball, you really should. Um, there's some great races out there. The NL West, Rockies, Dodgers, and, and Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks. All they all it. keep winning. They, yeah, they, they haven't fallen off. I mean, where did the Diamondbacks come from? I mean, the Rockies were supposed to be good, but I don't think quite this good. Um, you know, the Washington Nationals, they're running away with it in the NL East, but boy, are they good. And if they get a bullpen, they are going to challenge the Cubs. The NL Central is tight. I mean, the Cubs are playing better, but they're certainly not running away with it. And right. over in the American League... The American League Central and American League East, East both tight races. Red Sox-Yankees rivalry is going to heat up again. Those two teams very well could be competing down the stretch. I know I've been down on this Red Sox team, but I think they're tied for first. Houston Astros are a sight to behold. They are out of control right now. So if you're not watching baseball, start watching it because, frankly— Football doesn't start for another 85 days. So we've got a little bit of time, everyone. Um, Reminder, next week we are going to talk fantasy-wide receivers. Um, So get your your fantasy teams ready. Get your analysis ready. We're going to give our advice on that. Um, Otherwise, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, Again, happy belated Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Remember, you can email the show, jmsportspodcast.com. At gmail.com. You can find me on Instagram at Melkins1 and on Twitter at Melkins31175 and our Facebook page at JM Sports Podcast on Facebook. Jeff, do you have anything? Other than the, the reason, one of the reasons why the Diamondbacks are doing great, I think they have the best player in the National League named Paul Goldschmidt. Yeah, we'll, absolutely. We'll, 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 you're going to hear his name later this summer. Thanks for the uh, Father's Day wishes, and thanks, everybody. We look forward to uh, hearing from you and seeing you and talking to you next week. And he has the best name in sports, Goldschmidt. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Have a great week. We will talk to you next week. Have a good one, everyone. See ya. Bye.